0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Gone,
1: is that? the second time it's gone. Up. They never go home, they never go home, they never go. Home. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Oh, you can laugh. Have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You well, don't know what you're talking about. What did you know? I'd like just... to stay alive oh, late
2: late. Late. Good good I'd say it to your face, not say it oh, to you
1: now. Do i down field, and we we'll see what
2: them mate, What you doing down here, me? you're showing what me, it? man.
3: Hello there, you're very welcome to the Irish Times second captain's football podcast with Owen Murph Hello there, Owen and sporting a bright orange wristband with the word speaker emblazoned across (laughs) it Ken's here.
4: I forgot I'm still wearing that wristband. I think
3: it Now on. you can uh, take it oh, off there. Well, Ken. it's pretty tragic, oh, Ken. You great. are one of these people, aren't you? You know, post sort of music festival, you're still, still walking wearing around two days later. Yeah, or, or even a couple of weeks later, right up till Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a really
4: bad. Yeah, it's no, a bad. Lot a lot of them will, will. And now he can't take it off. Will decay in the shower, but this, as you can see, is <laughs> <quite> <laughs> cutting okay, through Ken. my you arm. you take your time. You take
5: your time there, Talk Ken. a hernia. It's okay. It's
4: you know, I. You know, Owen. I. I originally got the wrong wristband. This is at the Web Summit in Lisbon. I went by instinct to the media desk. What you're because I'm a media. You're a media man, press man. I'm a yeah. Press man. yeah. Uh, uh, well, hence the trail be had. They were like, "Oh, we can't, uh, we can't find you." And I was like, "Oh, I'm there, all right." So now we can't, can't find <laughs> you. An they knocked me out of badge and and then I, then it was only later, much later, I realised I'd gone completely the wrong place. I was a speaker. Mm. So I thought, well, I was gonna go back and get one of those because because it, because it's an entirely higher level of hospitality.
3: You were an interviewer, though, more than a speaker. So you were, you were well, prompting the, the somebody the to speak. The
5: wristband didn't make any <laughs> such distinction, so I don't see why we should. <laughs> Every,
4: everyone on the stage is considered to be a speaker, hmm. even if, in my case, they were soliciting the thoughts of more important people <laughs> right. rather than sharing their own thoughts. should
3: say listener. There should be something. Mm. Listener. Listener. Uh,
4: yeah, you could, you could have a sort of interstitial level between the media the media, <laughs> media workroom uh, food was basically uh, good food it, in the, in the media room. Yeah, it was like uh, chopped up um, baguettes with like mm. uh, little bits of tomato and lettuce and cheese. I'd expect cheese, better in Portugal, to be honest. And some kind of uh, cold meats, but in the uh, other room, Go it on. was it was kind of the same, but to a much higher level with free booze and uh, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. You know, it it, it was just you knew. It, it, I mean, it was pointless. The distinction was pointless. The, the speakers could easily have got by with the journalist level provisions. What
5: the hell are you talking about,
4: Ken? But the whole point was that you had to make them feel more important than the mere than the scum of the lugan presser, <laughs> the, scum, the scum. So, uh, so, so you know that's that's what they did.
3: Do. do you believe in the context of, uh, or should I should in the concept Murph, of a bogey team? Uh, Not anymore. After the news went against New Zealand last week, I presume.
5: Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I do. one. I do. I believe in it. A- 100%. Do Austria fit 200%. into that category?
3: They kind of kicked the crap out of us most of the time. We yeah, played I them 12 read. times. Yeah, yeah, 12 times. We picked up two victories in 1953 and in that never to be forgotten 3 2 win in 1963, both at Daily Man Park. Of course. Since the win in 63, we've lost six out of eight and drawn the other two. Not only that, but it's re- represented, this fixture has represented pretty much the end of two of our managers. There was the Harry Ramsons Challenge in 95. Jack Charlton limped on to the end of that campaign, but the all-you-can-eat fish and chip challenge taken on the eve of the game. Or maybe it was, yeah, I think it was the eve of the game, wasn't it? Actually, uh, was
4: it Was it two? Surely it wasn't the of Could actual. have been two days before. I think, it was, I think it must have been two days. It was
3: also apparently about half an hour before a training session. That's the mm. other issue. So the, we were a little bit listless uh, at, at, in that home fixture and we were beaten badly away from home as well. So Jack Charlton didn't last much longer. And of course, poor old Trap mm. was put to the sword by David Alaba, who thankfully is playing pretty atrocious football at the moment, by all accounts. I know he will now score a hat trick after me saying that. But yeah, so that was a 2014 World Cup. Not a good fixture for the Republic of Ireland. Mm. It and hasn't been good. Beat.
5: Those numbers are, would suggest that Austria are one of the great powerhouses <laughs> of world football. Yeah,
3: it sounds like it's Germany or Italy yeah. or something. Yeah.
5: And yet it seems as if.
4: Stoger! Do you remember him? Yeah. Peter Stoger. He really took us to the cleaners. Don't remember much about him other than games against us. He had a moustache, didn't he? Yeah. I think he had a moustache. Polster. Polster scored a couple at Lansdowne Road. Tony Go
5: He was a big lad. Tony Go yeah. He wasn't the prettiest striker on the eye, Tony Polster, both in the playing sense and also the you know an aesthetic sense. Jesus. Oh, come,
4: come on. on. I thought the, He what? had a certain middle European sex appeal, <laughs> I, would have, I would have thought. <laughs> I mean uh. I,
3: I'm sure Tony is <laughs> comfortable true. in his physical appearance. That's true. Yeah. I know you're person to get into this can this match in the reporting sport, but we've got some big, big news to announce before that. If you heard our chat with the US Murphy from today's non-football podcast. You'll know this already. But if not, here it is, Sunday, December 4th, the historic Liberty Hall Theatre in Dublin. We're celebrating the 750th Irish Times Set captain podcast. Oh.
5: Ah, nice.
3: With a drum hell. A drum, drum hell? Howl. That, that is a drum hell. Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, I might have stumbled across that, Murph, but that's what it is. The drum howl. We're celebrating this historic podcast with a massive night. It's called The Gang's All Here, featuring a host of big names, including In the Gang, Murph. US Murph, Brian Murphy coming home to Ireland for the first time in more than a decade. It's a beautiful thing. He's it's an excited beautiful, man. It's a beautiful thing. Tickets cost 22 euro 50, but with your ticket you get a signed copy of the Second Captains Sports annual volume 2 worth 17.99. Mm. So if you subtract the 17.99 from the 22.50 I think you're, listen, I don't know what the exact number is because it's not my strong point, Mm. maths, to be perfectly honest, but I know it's a low number, yeah. Yeah,
5: and you're you're getting an evening evening of never-to-be-forgotten entertainment. There's a
3: limited amount of tickets available, but there will be lovely cinema-style seats for you once you get your hands on them, and you can bring your drink from the bar into the theatre to watch the show. We encourage that, responsibly, of course, just enough to get the heck, you know, to heckle a bit. Yeah, but, but not, not enough you know, to But not to cross the line Into the hurtful personal abuse If you get on the secondcaptains.eventbrite.com Right now You can buy a ticket That's secondcaptains.eventbrite.com Many of will, you of course, already have Yeah, so we thank well. you We will of course Put the tickets up The li- ticket links up on Twitter Facebook and Instagram and all the rest of it that's Sunday night December 4th it's our end of year show as well so as well as a celebration of 750 pods we'd love you to be there and a big thanks to our friends at Original Penguin Clothing too for helping make it happen now Ken
4: report on sport please so yeah um, Mark Arnautovic has been very complimentary of John Walters Uh, he is not human he is a machine says uh, Ernie Arnautovic and he talks about uh, how Walters is a, is a really complete player who who never stops running. He's just you know an all round legend, and then he says um, that Glenn Whelan is a uh, he's a compact midfielder who knows when to spread the ball wide. So there you go.
3: At least he knows one of our players. Well, well, is his something. teammate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Glen, te- who? <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's like that Mario Balotelli Joe Allen story. What was that? That uh, Stephen Gerrard picked Mario Balotelli up for trading one day, and Ballot wasn't this isn't this it? Ken so Balotelli is sitting in the front seat, and uh, he turns around and uh, just presumes it's like one of Stephen Gerrard's good buddies. You know, it's like oh hi, I'm, I'm Mario, and Joe Allen goes, yeah, I'm Joe Allen. I've for the last <laughs> four months.
4: Um, yeah, so so the oh, story God. goes. Um, nice. Ar- Arnadovich, Harvest says that Ireland will probably play very defensively, as they did against Serbia. And uh, How dare he, even though he's right. And the responsibility to attack will be on us. A responsibility which he is prepared to shoulder. Ireland, of course, have without key players. James McCarthy, Shane Long. Not great. Um, we haven't played this yet. You may have heard it, but...
3: Oh, I know where you're going.
4: I think it's worth listening to. You yeah. It's Roy Keane uh, talking about uh, Ronald Koeman's... Uh, irritation with Ireland. We,
1: we've had a problem previously with Martinez. Um, I think he was slightly over the top. E- every time we felt the Everton players were turning up, and it's not, it's not criticism of the players, this is more from the Everton and their staff, that they're always carrying knocks, and I always felt the Everton players were going to like turn up in, in on crutches or crawling in the hotel door. Um, I know it looks like we're probably going to have that issue again with um, not Maybe Everton, I think, is a football club I'm not sure when the last time they won a trophy. I think it was a good number of years ago. Maybe they're overloading players and players playing lots of games. is a good thing. That means your club's been successful and lads are playing week in, week out, playing midweek games, but Everton, they don't play any European football. I think they're out of the League Cup. I think Norwich beat them at Goodison. So maybe Everton as a club need to, and it's a brilliant football club, maybe their players need to toughen up a little bit.
2: Is it important that that relationship, though, between Everton and Ireland is a good one because you've got a couple of big players there? No, not really,
1: no. Why? why? Why do we need a good relationship with Everton? I just presumed you. No, but, uh, listen, they're lucky to have the Irish lads they've got there. And Everton traditionally have always had brilliant Irish players doing well for the football club. So they shouldn't be so quick to stop Irish players coming to play for Ireland. So, Coombe's uh, opinions, honestly, there's no issues with me. I, I couldn't care less, to be honest with you.
5: I love the... I love the... It's just, I presumed that...
3: I, <laughs> the reporter there. I love... I presume that, all right? That's it's not a present- rant, by the way. No. no. You know, you always hear the, this Roy Keane... astonishing attack. It's quite a... Roy Keane's broadside. Yeah, it's yeah. just a fairly <sighs> brilliantly... You forget how articulate he is. I know... I think some of our long-time listeners get a little bit annoyed about how impressed we are when Roy Keane speaks... Maybe, I, maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I'm, I should speak for myself here. Mm. But when you haven't heard him for a while, mm. and then he comes out with something like that, so cutting, so cutting, yeah, and so well delivered, you've got to top
4: your cap to him. He's very good at that type of situation. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's probably his strongest... Po- polemica. As
5: yeah, the, uh, the, the passive-aggressive uh, assault at, uh, uh, at a foe of, uh, of whatever stripe.
4: And you could argue there are elements of hypocrisy there. I mean, you would be unwise, perhaps, to allow those... To mention the, Iran, to, the that second leg of to the Iran game. There, there, were, there were times when maybe his club uh, suggested to him that maybe this wouldn't be a good game to play in. and There were times when maybe he was prepared to listen to his manager, his club manager at the time, a man he respected greatly, a uh, big figure in the game at that time. Uh, so I guess he knows the issue. He knows the territory. Intimately. Uh, that he's talking about. This is happening a lot though. I, I see that Arson Wenger is is uh calling out Chile and saying, Oh, it'll be suicidal if they play Alexi Sanchez and Chile is saying, Yeah if Alexis Sanchez is capable of limping, he's playing. And Wenger is going nuts because you know he's got like this muscle problem. And uh you know he obviously if he loses Sanchez then I mean he loses any chance of winning the title. You know Sanchez only has to miss five games over the next few, you know few weeks to potentially scupper Arsenal. So you can see how he's like a little bit wound up. Um but it is it does seem to be an area of tension. Uh, not just Ireland, not just between Ireland and Everton but uh um, this is, you know, we're coming coming up to maybe the busiest, the hardest part of the season, you know, especially for for the English clubs, obviously not so much for clubs that didn't see uh, countries that have a winter break, but November, December, January, that's when things really start to get hard yeah, for Yeah, and players. if they're players,
3: what are we at? We're already at November 10th. Mm. At this stage, players are coming back with aggravated niggles. Mm. You're having to make some hard calls. Do I rest them for a while so they're ready to play the game every couple of days over Christmas or not.
4: But it also goes, I mean, what the, what Keane was saying there also, uh, I mean, we were talking about this recently, uh, the question of of um, managers, but everyone aren't the only people putting pressure on those players. It's clear that Ireland are as well. And, uh, you know, I know McCarthy is not going to play this game, but, you know, the, it's it's clear that Ireland will be like James, you know, you got to tell the difference between real pain and just pain. You know, everyone is kind of doing that. I mean, Keane, we, we spoke about his, his analysis, his, his reflection on how he did that in his own career, how he thought maybe it shortened his career and ultimately how he now admired players like Ruud van Iseroy who who didn't do that to themselves. But it's pretty obvious that he would uh, encourage players to, you know, to toughen up. As he said, tough, toughen up. Everybody is injured all the time. And what makes you think you're so special? enough time you get a knock, you don't need to go for a scan. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, he, he that was that was the I think the, <laughs> it was the last time this Everton thing came up. You know, he just <laughs> oh, it really gets him going. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't mention the last time everyone won a trophy was against him, obviously uh, in the ninety-five FA Cup final. He was playing that day, wasn't I mean, he? he? I presume so.
5: I he was that the club it. anyway?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, although I, I see now that Gordon Taylor has criticised Jose Mourinho for uh, for doing this to so the show. You know what? What th- This is where this kind of issue had, had arisen. Mourinho saying, yeah, you know, he said he didn't want to well, be that's here. His own, that's his own player. You know, that's... Leading to the headline, you're not fit to wear the shirt <laughs> on one of the tabloids. Uh, well, know, I mean, which, you're which just not fit. A, yeah, it's just a clever... Which is Wear, kind of, they yeah, wear yeah, the shirt. Exactly. I mean, um, Taylor said, uh, this is a PFA... Um, uh, PFA Chief Executive, uh, Gordon Taylor, uh, he says, uh, I was disappointed uh, by that uh, because knowing the individuals, they're both highly thought of. They've got personal problems, which I don't need to relay, but sometimes a manager needs to be a psychologist as well and also to be a counsellor because you can't treat everybody in the team the same. Every manager must know that. Every player in the team is different. And then I thought quite remarkably, he, he referred to Well, he said next, when you see what happened with Welsh football and Gary Speed, that brings it home to you that somebody can look on top of the world with no problems, but in reality, it's quite different, and that's why we have a twenty-four-hour counselling service. So he's making the point that you know players aren't, you know, bulletproof, uh, and when you put that type of pressure on a player, public, you know, public pressure, as Mourinho did, you know, the whole country started the back back on the newspapers saying he wasn't fit to wear the shirt. That's an extraordinary
5: yeah. escalation of the situation from Gordon Taylor. I thought. Yeah. I thought. It, I, thought strange, I thought it was a strange.
4: I thought it was a strange place to go to. I mean, I can understand that there. You know, there is a there is a point there, but I. I. I did think it was a. You know, it was a, as you said, an escalation. Yeah.
3: Gareth yeah. Southgate.
4: Well, Gareth Southgate is is obviously the England manager. Uh, at, at the moment and, and some of the players have already started to call for him to be made full time I thought, I'm Lana I mean he might as well be
3: well he is going to be unless he, they lose to Scotland at home tomorrow
4: yeah well, then maybe it might be difficult sure
3: I think even a draw even if they get a get a draw Gareth's going to be
4: alright yeah Gareth um, Gar- Gareth I don't know yeah. why I'm using first name terms um, well Gareth as you call him Owen was uh, was reminiscing about 20 years ago when England played Scotland in Euro 96. Oh,
3: yeah, well, great game.
4: Um, and, of course, Gaza, you might remember, scored mm-hmm. a very good goal that day. Yeah. Then Rangers player, Paul Gascoigne.
3: The dentist chair celebration, of course.
4: Uh, I'm not sure emotional control was his style, says Gareth Southgate. This was um, this is Daniel Taylor reporting what Southgate was saying about this. He says, so, Brian Robson made him a little fishing rod with a line dangling from it. Not a real fishing rod. But something they created out of the stuff they found in the medical skip. And there was Gaza sitting on the side of the big bath in the Wembley dressing rooms with his fishing rod. Pretend fishing, because that was the only time he ever relaxed. God knows what he was fishing for, uh, said Gareth Sandgate. That was the sort of bizarre thing that would go on when Gaza was around. So... So yes, there you go. Uh, not not a not a lot of news from the <laughs> England camp.
3: And uh, that was about it. From the England Camp. Well there's so. not a lot of poppy related news that we're gonna get into. Yeah. the FA are standing tall against the scourge of free speech. Well the FA and FIFA. the S-
4: and the S F A the the Scottish Football Association and the and the English Football Association have both requested to be able to wear armbands with poppies on them for this game, which they have done, Which England have done previously five years ago They're saying oh we thought we'd sorted this all out Five years ago We did it against Spain And uh, you're saying now we can't do it Well we are going to do it And, and FIFA saying no don't do it It's against our rules But the FA are saying even Yeah we are going to do it We've taken legal advice We think our position is solid uh, The Premier League clubs all do it And we've done it before And if they fine us We'll pay the fine and we, we want them to let us pay that fine to the British Legion. So, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, not, that was, that's
3: not how it works. You're that, that only happens when you win a case and you win money. And then you, as the, the winning party, says, I'm going to give that to charity or to a good cause. You can't say we've lost it, but that money we have to pay you, uh, as the person to take
5: the money your off money. Us, you need yeah, to pay yeah, it. Yes. It's your, so we're going to take the money that we owe you and we're just going to pay someone
4: else. That isn't, I don't know. if Well, you know, what? where are FIFA going to go ultimately? What you mean? FIFA are going go to go the,
5: to the British Legion And they're going to demand their money <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, if I, I don't FIFA like I think I do, kid. Like I, I don't, hope I do I, I
4: don't know, I think, I think maybe there could be, I think They could be playing with fire there I think it could be every chance of England Turning around, saying it's our ball We're going home Get out Leave
5: England withdraw from FIFA
4: Well, why not? not like, what's FIFA ever done for England?
5: Allowed them to host the only World Cup That they've ever won
4: yeah, we go. I don't know. Scotland, Scotland are also going to go along with this with the defiant approach, I suppose, because if given that they actually have to share the field with England, it would be they it, they couldn't, in all conscience, go out Scott's, not wearing the. Scots
5: dishonour war dead. Yeah. Scotland dishonours war dead is yeah.
4: But it's the FA really. the FA of Wales they also made an application to do this and. They've said that okay. FIFA said no, so we're just going to wear black armbands. Everyone okay with that? And uh, I suppose it's there as they're not directly involved in the in the match between two sides. You know, it's it's okay. You know, the other team isn't going to be wearing poppies either. So we'll talk to John Wilson about that. Um, about some of the implications. What what else is going on though? Just a few, a few bits and but I saw there was a, a strangely vague story on the uh, BBC website about Jose Mourinho, who apparently is running the rule over every element of the club at Manchester United, having been disgusted by what he's found there. He's arrived in, he's seen a club lying in ruin, and he is going to drain the swamp. (laughs) He's draining the swamp. He's looking at every area in his remit, including travel, pre-season tour planning, fitness, sports science, and the general makeup of the squad. It's a pretty wide-ranging review is being undertaken here. Um, uh, At the start of the season, the former Chelsea manager predicted United would compete for the Premier League title this season. However, Sunday's victory over his second-bottom Swansea was only their second win in their past eight games, says the BBC. What what point are they trying to make there? I don't know. Um, But while while Mourinho runs the rule over uh, every element of uh, the club, um, Richard Arnold, the... Uh, sort of second in command director, the the right hand man of Ed Woodward, was also in Lisbon talking a little bit about and It's not the first time that he's been to that particular conference. That was a
3: good tech conference, does Richard Arnold.
4: He does, uh, and he he was a bit more. He was if he was much more bombastic this, this time. time. Oh yeah, he said the level we are engaging at, and by engaging, he means with fans on social media. Mm-hmm is to put it in context, akin to religion. John Lennon was famously quoted as saying, the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. Oh, God. Whilst we wouldn't want to be disrespectful in that way, What you are seeing, from a measurement point of view, is that the level of engagement and fervor we get is on par with the world's major religions, (laughs) and those are the only things at the same level as Manchester United in terms of that interaction and engagement. We just had our billionth interaction on Facebook.
3: Well, I would say Donald Trump is probably up there as well, buddy. You know, for really talking about social social media interaction.
4: I think I think he is. I think he probably is. But you know, he's unfortunately. That's incredibly valuable because it allows us to gauge what fans like and allows us to adjust our behavior going forward. We're on a different scale, the other clubs in our league. We're also the biggest in the world at what we do across any sport and any team. Sport is one of the most engaging things in the world. Within that, we are the most engaged. Pointed out that the Pogback campaign, do you remember Pogback?
5: Could we ever forget?
4: Pogback blew the likes of Gareth Bale and Luis Suarez out of the water in terms of buzz on social media. He's mentioned that a really key part of modern popular culture around the world.
5: I'm sorry, is is he saying all this with a straight face?
4: Oh yeah.
5: Oh with with uh, I mean it's fine. Like it's with obviously tremendous fine. Tremendous
4: pride. It is a great pride. Well, he doesn't say that because he's not a Portuguese. No, I would
3: It's strange be <laughs> putting on a bad Portuguese accent just because he just, was in Portugal. Well, <laughs> and, <laughs> all, <laughs> and also to to you know
5: make Mourinho feel at home. Just yeah. wandering around talking in
4: He the the, the last time I was struck by the fact that he boasted Manchester United were on a par in social media terms with Vin Diesel yeah. I was thinking yeah, Vin Diesel I don't, I'm not even quite, I've, I've definitely heard the name but I, I can't quite say I'm sure who he is oh he's this guy in Fast and Furious, <laughs> a movie series that I don't watch um, and I thought really are Manchester United thinking of themselves in those terms I would have thought of him as being bigger than you know as sort of playing in, in at least a division above Vin Diesel above mm. Mr. Diesel yes well at least he was now comparing uh, United to the likes of Justin Bieber who I do recognize as a genuine social media colossus. Yeah. You know? Uh, there aren't too many I mean, bigger he does than-
5: realize that pogback is, that's nonsense. Like, <laughs> no, being, saying the word pogback is just nonsense, and there's no other way. Pogback. Pogback, yeah. yeah. I mean, coming up with it is fine. I mean, but let's not addie would pretend that this is important in addy way whatsoever. The engagement, buzz. These words, you can't use these words. With a straight face, surely.
4: No, that's, that's what it's about. That's that is what it is about, ultimately. So the so it means that the you know the results and it's that we were just talking about the results, uh, two wins and eight. It doesn't actually really matter. We've literally spent the last six or seven minutes talking about Manchester United, and that's really all that matters. He says. That's
3: it for Ken Early's report on sport.
4: FIFA made a movie recently, uh, did they? John Delaney could run anything. They did. They did. They actually. About themselves. Yeah. About themselves. I got that's ego, isn't it? He could run FIFA. Certainly better than Zach Blatter. Yeah, that is, that's incredibly good. But the real movie's on its way. Well, yeah, I'm
2: off to see the Queen tomorrow too, don't forget
4: that. No, no, don't no, forget that. In 2009, I called him an embarrassment to FIFA and an embarrassment to himself. And I, and I said to him across the table, just like I'm talking to you, We wanted two excuses. He said, No one speaks to me like that. And you said, and I said, What I do? And that was it. We wanted two excuses. And I just asked him to move on. It was an extraordinary moment. She, she was here, she tell you, just stared at her for seven seconds. And I said, Move on now, please. And then he moved. When I went in and told him how I felt about him, uh-huh. there was some expletive views. We came to an, an agreement. It's a very good agreement, <laughs> And we have used the figure there. Well done to you. England
3: play Scotland tomorrow night at Wembley. And we have mentioned the FA and their stance that they've taken. In opposition to FIFA. Well, essentially, they're going to be wearing these poppies no matter what FIFA say. Martin Glenn is their chief executive and he reckons their legal position is rock solid after getting some legal advice there. Uh, we're joined by Jonathan Wilson to talk a little bit about this. Seems like Martin Glenn and the FA have really put it up to FIFA here, Jonathan.
2: Yeah. Um, for, I mean, I think the whole thing is absurd, you know, and, you know, until we've incorporated the poppy in, into our kit permanently, until Scotland have done so, until. We forced the entire world to have poppies on the kit until we've abolished grass and start playing the game on a bed of poppy and petals. Uh, until you know we've overdosed on heroin until
4: we're dead, how could we possibly pay proper tribute to to, to the fallen? Um, what What do you think of? It sounds as though you think FIFA are being unreasonable.
2: <laughs> no, no, clearly they're not. I mean, the, the the regulation is very clear and it's it's very obvious why it's there. Um that beyond the you know, the, the emblem of your, your FA and I guess your um the kit manufacturer's logo, you're not allowed to have any other symbol or message on your shirts, be that political, be it personal, it even says personal. So this idea that probably is not a political symbol, which it clearly is, but it's irrelevant anyway, because it, it's it's a personal symbol. And it's clearly not the badge of the FA. And it's not um Nike or Umbro, it's Nike, isn't it, he makes England's kiss. It's not their logo, um, and, and the reasons are clear. That what may seem entirely acceptable to, to one country could be incredibly offensive to somebody else. And the idea that FIFA should have some kind of arbitration panel who should be permanently sort of monitoring this is is ridiculous. You know, it's it, it's got to be a one size fits all rule, and it's got to be just don't do it, don't have them. And the idea that the FA is yeah you know, trying to say oh you know England are above that we you know we're going to take you on over this as if it's some great moral point. It's not. It's just... It's just... Um, I mean, it's just arrogance, isn't it? And I guess they, they think, oh, we can get away with it because whatever the fine is, it's not actually going to matter to English football
4: because English football is so wealthy. Are FIFA being a bit inconsistent here? Because, I mean, they... OK, I know that they recently disbanded their anti-racism task force, having declared its mission had been completed. But... They did have, you know, say no to racism banners and so on uh, at football matches. And, you know, while a lot of people might, might think that was a laudable goal, there's a lot of racists out there. I mean, millions of them who, who look at that and feel disenfranchised, put upon uh, these social justice warriors are taking over the game. Why should they have their faces rubbed in a political message like that? What I'm saying is there, is there an element of inconsistency there where FIFA will, will adopt certain causes and then ban others?
2: Well, it probably is but i don't think that's a bad thing i mean an anti-racism message you know i appreciate your point but clearly fifa uh even the fact it had an anti-racism committee it is against racism i think if you had a vote in fifa even fifa would vote that racism was a bad thing so i presume those banners were officially sanctioned i mean if they weren't i'm sure they would have been had they asked um so i mean yes it's clearly different but yeah you know, does anybody care about the poppy other than other than the uk i'm, I'm in in terms of seeing as a a positive thing that that's the the best way of memorialising this, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's part of this sort of there's this this sort of creeping militarisation of sport in 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 England. That um yeah, if you look at FA Cup finals, the the presence of the army at the FA Cup final used to be the Coldstream Guards would wear their red jackets and their big hats and send a brass band. And now we have sort of military all over the pitch. There's wreaths being laid. It's a military take-up. All the sort of uh, sponsors' logo and advertising nonsense before and and delay kickoff because they turn out not to be particularly efficient. Um, you know, where's that come from? Why has that become a thing? Why 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 have the army got presence at the cup final? From a, fo- from a,
3: from American sport, I would say. I, I mean, I'm assuming that people, uh, as with a lot of things in. Sp- in, in football, they might look at what's happened in America where it's been militarized beyond belief in the last 20 years or so. And some people within football, or maybe, I don't know, uh, higher up in the UK have obviously decided, geez, that's, that's, that looks like a good idea.
2: Yeah, and I think this of all weeks, we can say that America is definitely the model of the rest of the world to be following.
4: <laughs> yeah. But do you, do you think that this, like, I mean, the poppy thing has been kind of getting bigger and bigger each year. And it always just seemed like a sort of silly... Just a, just just a way that James McLean found himself yeah, in trouble on the wrong side of public opinion
3: year on year. Yeah. But like a,
4: a silly kind of slightly embarrassing fad, you know, I think that would happen. Every, but I'm beginning to see something. I'm beginning to see it in much more sinister terms recently. And I wonder if you think it's it's. I mean, you, you know, you're referring to that kind of mood, that sort of nationalism, the militarization. We can see the effects of that uh, in big votes that have happened this year. But is this poppy thing a symptom of that, or maybe actually one of the contributing factors, like one of the ways in which this mood um, was sort of, you know, obviously it's none of the power to stir up the mood by itself, but one of the ways in which that happened?
2: I think they're definitely related, yeah. Um, yeah, The idea that, um, I mean, it still just baffles me. Okay, I I can understand that on the weekend closest to November 11th, it, yeah, you know, it's a it's a totally reasonable gesture to have a minute of silence before kick off, but to spread it over a fortnight. I mean, I was at the Sunderland Arsenal game, uh, well, a week on Saturday, which because it was Sunderland's last home game before November the 11th, they had to have a minute of silence. Saying, it's two weeks before, so you have this fortnight-long orgy of this sort of a really sort of mawkish, artificial remembrance. Um, well, what what was what was artificial about it? Because it's sort of forced upon you, you know, it's, it's, um, was anybody going to the, you know, before you got to the game that day, was anybody thinking, okay, today's, today's the day when it's most appropriate for me to remember, you know, people who died in in, in the second world war, the first world war, whatever. I I can see that on the uh, public events on the weekend of of, of the 11th, I can see that, that, you know, that that it, it is appropriate to set aside a day or a weekend for that but to spread it over two weeks, you know, it, it becomes like, I mean, you know, like Christmas or like Halloween, which go on and on forever. Um, but it, it, it totally dilutes any meaning it does have, uh, and actually inverts the meaning in that in that sort of your your people feel forced to, to wear poppies, which is surely the the exact opposite of of the um, personal tribute it's meant to represent.
3: What about the? I don't know if you saw the story. Jonathan was, he was bigger over here. That the uh, the FAI are going to face the uh, face of fine from FIFA because it emerged in the midst of all this that we kind of got ratted out in the midst of all this, Jonathan, for wearing uh, an emblem. Era Ireland 1916-2016 on our match against uh, the jersey for a match against Switzerland around the time of the commemoration of the Risings at the Rising, I should say. You I, I guess you feel that shouldn't be allowed either.
2: I think probably it shouldn't, actually, yeah, if we're being consistent. Um, you know, I can't say I was hugely bothered by it at the time, but I, I guess, yeah, it, it does fall foul out of that regulation. And given that regulation is, sort of you know, from a general point of view, sensible, I guess,
4: yeah, it does fall foul out of I it. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely sh- should be, I guess, because the whole point of the regulation is to protect the game from being hijacked by these types of forces. You want to use it as a vehicle to push their agenda, whatever that might be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's the... Um, one of the disturbing things about the you know this elongation of the of the of the, of the poppy issue that you know, football really should just be about football, shouldn't it? You know why do we need to sort of attach all these other meanings to it? And and, and oddly sort of nationalistic, militaristic. Yeah, I mean there's, I have to say this, this this part of me often feels slightly uncomfortable even with national anthems before games. But I, I yeah the the greater part of me thinks you know that's fine because you are representing your country. But you see the way some countries react to that, and I, you know, you of think, well, is that really necessary? Is that really a good thing? Um, I mean, in in, um, in 1966 at the World Cup, um, I don't know how widely known this is actually, but there were no national anthems apart from before the first game, before the final. And the reason for that was because um, they couldn't have played a North Korean national anthem because the UK did not recognise North Korea. So to get around that, they just didn't have any anthems, uh, apart from the first game in the final, banking on North Korea not getting to the final. Did that, did that devalue the '66 World Cup in any way? Did that make those games any less meaningful? I, I
4: don't think it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm thinking also, I, I remember seeing once the, the 1974 World Cup final and the players standing there for the national anthem and just the total disinterest they show, <laughs> particularly the German players. And it is Germany is one of the countries where You've got a constituency that gets angry with players who don't who show insufficient passion uh, for the anthem these days. But um, just the just the sort of disdain that these players were showing for it—I I don't know if a single one of them was singing. It was just like uh, clearly not considered to be that big a deal.
2: Yeah, and, and yeah, you, the, you look back to um, in, in '99, uh, England played Scotland in a playoff for qualification for year 2000. And it was on this equivalent weekend. Nobody wore poppies then. There was no poppies on the shirt, there was no poppy armband, there was no fuss about it. So, how have we moved in 17 years from that to this? You know, what's happened in that time? Well, whatever's happened, I don't think, particularly healthy or particularly good. Uh, and we probably should try and reverse it.
3: What about on the field, Jonathan, the football? is not going to be of a particularly high quality if Graeme Souness is to be believed. He says the current squads are arguably the worst in the history of both teams, of both Scotland and England. Would you go along with that?
2: I think that's a bit unfair in England. I think they were a lot worse in the early 90s. Um, I mean, not good, um, but, um, yeah, it's not... It's. I, I think, it, it, yeah, you look back at those games in the early 80s when they did both have decent squads and those weren't particularly pretty games. Um Maybe the, um, the sort of the, the derby nature of the, of the game is, uh, is is not as strongly felt now because there's such a clear disparity in, in wealth and quality between between the two countries and the two FAs and two countries' football. I, 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 I mean by that, um, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine it'd be a particularly good game. Um, and I, I guess the, the sort of uh, one of the very few bright lights for England recently has been Deli Ali, and he's obviously not there, so that brings Rooney back and that probably slows everything down even more.
3: <laughs> We're definitely not hyping up the game here, Jonathan. Listen, to brilliant stuff. Thanks a million.
2: Cheers, thanks.
1: you just a crying big baby but you cannot call a player a baby.
0: Butch- Victory, I,
3: didn't have a I want victory for every game. Where do you think you got it all wrong today? Which is the game you wanted victory for? You didn't have a weapon. Well, it's just uh, the nervous nerve. You look frustrated on the pitch. is the
0: game you wanted victory for? You didn't have a weapon. You wanted victory. Well, I wanted victory. Which is the game you wanted victory for? You didn't have a weapon. Where do you think you got it all wrong today?
1: Against them in the premieres, and we never said they're baby. He's just a crying big baby, and you cannot call a player a baby.
3: Didn't realise the national anthems were such a thorny issue back in
4: 1966. Mm. Hmm. Or not? I mean, they just uh, didn't use them, and nobody (laughs) nobody nobody cared. Uh, I saw. I, I recently saw a clip of the. Uh, the semi-final of the 1990 World Cup, Argentina Italy against Argentina in the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. That was a grim game. Well, this was the match bef- uh, before which Diego Maradona had uh, said to the um, Italians, "He was like, oh, come on, you know, who, who do you really support? You know, this." It
3: was the Southern Italians, wasn't it? That was the point. Yeah, he was. Like, like, he's like, I'm one of you. I'm, you know, you're I am your champion. Me. Italy's not your country. Yeah,
4: these guys looked down on you. I mean, I know a few of them are from Rome, your city, and, and indeed places south. But we all know these guys look down on you. Mm. So I'm asking you all to support Argentina against Italy in the <laughs> World Cup semi final. Anyway, when they started playing the uh, Argentinian national anthem, booing was audible all around uh, the Stadio Olimpico as people made clear which side they were on, and Maradona standing. Uh, there, the cameras could see him, and he could, obviously the cameras right in front of him, so we can see. So, as loudly and as deliberately as he can, he's articulating the words repeatedly: "He used a puta, he used a puta" into the camera, just to make it clear what he thought of the Italian nation.
3: Why was he talking about a Canadian delicacy? Oh no, wait, no, uh, we were tra- that's a poutine. Yeah, of course, sorry, we protein. were through that the other day.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's and uh, and it was just such. a I mean. <laughs> you can just imagine this is why Maradona is always going to be more popular than Messi even though I think it's clear at this point who's actually better at football of course being good at football is only you know about 70% of who is the greatest
5: hit it I've got a call here that says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around Go back to lecturing, you have the charisma of a sick bag oh That's just it, I just mentioned, not you,
0: not me We don't normally click,
5: broadcast all the, the stuff click, that comes from scum click, around the country click.
3: Our friend Evan Byrne is back, Spurs fan, living in London Ah, Evan. A repeat scumbag, Murph, your favourite type of scumbag. He calls and he collects. Hello again, second captains. So I just want to drop you a quick line to say good on you for recognising that you had unfairly ignored the still unbeaten in the Premier League Spurs. Just having my email read out on the podcast was pretty nice. But for you to then turn around and talk about Spurs, citing my mail as the reason why, was brilliant. I work in PR and I've never had such success in influencing editorial content. (laughs) And then you drop my name in again to a third episode during a plug for the other one. Seriously, caused a bit of a splash both here and back home among the SC listeners I know. So that's nice to hear. That said, uh uh-oh.
5: Evan, don't really go.
3: I didn't all that much care for Mr. Erdie's slightly indifferent approach when discussing Tottenham. Seemed very, lads, it's Tottenham in tone. But I let that go because it's been confirmed that Kennedy really can't predict anything as shown by the election of one Donald J. Trump. Something Ken was very confident could not happen. I think after this mental year, I'll go put money on Le Pen to win France next year and for us to go all the way and have an unbeaten season. But we won't win the league, of course, because unfortunately... We're still Tottenham. Cheers, lads, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Evan. Thank you very much for that email. captains at irishtimes.com.
4: <sighs> Screw you, <know>. you Evan. <laughs>
5: yeah, I thought it came across as a little preachy, didn't it? Nah. There was something about it I didn't like. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like the sound of you, Evan. I'm just, i don't like like going to tell you.
4: He seems to be talking down. To <laughs> me, yeah, the I don't like. Yeah. don't like the good. Kind of, you know, it's Irish not for me. Quite frankly, Evan is not for me. P.O. Yeah.
5: Piss off, Evan.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we have got a full election podcast. By the way, ready for you to listen to <laughs> Apodcalypse now, as we christened <laughs> it. That's available. I can't say that. Ken is, Ken is roaring, yeah, laughing. He's if he gone off mic. I'm sorry, sorry. No, no. uh, so Apodcalypse now is available on the Second Captain's Extras iTunes feed and Second Captain's Extras on SoundCloud. Can we play the Lebanon art again? I'm yeah, I think why we Can play it again. Yeah.
4: Hello. Hello. Who's this? This is Lebanon. Lebanon? Where have you been all this time? I'm here. I never moved. It's you who left. I didn't want to, but things haven't been easy. It has been even harder on me. I've always wanted to come back, but I... Well, I've been working hard day and night, and now things have changed. I'm back on my feet again. So why do you need me?
3: I want you to walk with me. Home is waiting. How is your property portfolio in Lebanon looking these days, guys? growing uh, every time I hear that ad.
4: Um, yeah, I was invited to, to purchase some property in Portugal. Oh, while you were there? Yeah. Um, right. Directly, face-to-face? Uh, yeah, a man approached me wearing <laughs> mirrored sunglasses, uh, holding a briefcase, and tried to interest me in some property. I was <laughs> like, look, I actually can't afford even anything that you're selling. That's just not, I'm just not on the market. You're talking to the wrong man. That Why is Lebanon apparently voiced by one of those he he sounded a bit like the voice of Apple, you know that. Yeah, I said the exact same thing voice. in the other <laughs> podcast. It's like
5: it should be Siri. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, well, best of luck with it.
3: Can we get another drum? Hell, Simon, I've got an announcement. Yeah, let him finish. The this has been delivered by Mark Horgan into the studio here on his little yellow. It's a breaking news post-it note. Mm-hmm. It says at the very top. Uh, it's can't. like
5: what used to be handed to Josiah Bartlett in the West Wing. Some,
3: yeah, very much so. Some of the writing below is illegible, but I think I have the basic gist of it. The live show, The Gang's All Here, Sunday, December 4th, Liberty mm-hmm. Hall Theatre, is selling extremely fast. Extremely fast. So go to secondcaptains.eventbrite.ie to get your hands on uh, a couple of the limited edition limited edition tickets. That doesn't necessarily make sense. Limited well, supply of tickets. You know what I'm supply. talking about. Secondcaptains.eventbrite.ie It's going to be a really big night. We, we're genuinely can't wait for it 750th show Brian Murphy over for the first time to do a podcast over here Ken's going to be instance. handing
5: out the uh, the armbands uh, and there will be major demarcation there will be yeah. eight, eight different eight, eight R- different wristbands not swimming we're going yeah, to be, demar- be we're going to be major amounts of demarcation <laughs> all right. of you will be
4: are we doing one of those things where like there's the basic ticket and then you can pay an extra ten- and up to 35,000 euros where you can you know one one lucky <laughs> uh, what you call them I don't know even what the right word would be there patron patron yeah one
3: lucky patron
4: uh, for, for a mere 35,000 euros well, we'd have to divide uh, is that what we're? no
3: Ken 22 euro 50 Okay. with a free copy of the beautiful Set and Catman Sports annual volume 2 worth 17.99 signed copy Ken you're going to be signing those bad boys so mm. Get that, get that wristband off And get practicing your signature
5: And also get thinking about What we could possibly offer Someone for 35,000 euros This wristband
3: This wristband is still on Ken So it's It's, it's,
4: it's difficult to put yeah. Like I mean I'm trying to He's going to need a knife it's, for his it's like it's, sorry. it's cutting through my skin Like cheese wire So I'll have to get Some kind of a blade
3: Thanks Perf Thank
5: you all. Thanks Ken Thanks
4: Owen <laughs> Thanks for listening Take care Bye. Thanks How's that That's the
1: second time It's gone off
5: Never go home, they never go home, they never go home those those, those Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni, with powerful 8000 Pa suction and mop master's dual mop pads. It keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to
3: eufy.com, that's EUFY.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best in class all in one robot vacuum for only $799.